Limerick have been waiting for. 
I see no difference in this Sunday. You know, they're sticking to the process. You know, they don't be going for goals early. They're taking the points. If the goal opportunity comes, they seem to have the ability to hang the odd, hang the odd one or two. Not too many, only one or two. Yeah, you mentioned about goals, and one of those players who we've seen in this championship get them is Aaron Gillan. How important now? We know at the moment he's been he's back in training, and it was said earlier in the week that he was 50-50, but he's back in training now. How important is his fitness to this Limerick team? And if he isn't fit enough to start, would that make Waterford favourites? I would. I wouldn't say to to make Waterford favourites, uh, but uh, I, I I do know. Uh, the psychological factor in Aaron Galan starting in your first 15 will be huge. I'd be confident Aaron will be okay and Aaron will be sta- starting. And uh, as I said, if he wasn't starting, obviously it probably would favour Wadford slightly because Aaron, Aaron is having a very good year. And I said the psychological factor, uh, let alone uh, for players who, who are going out and probably trying to mark him, uh, which is a huge, massive, difficult, difficult task. So I'd be confident he's playing. Uh, I wouldn't be that concerned if he wasn't started because I think we've great artillery on the line anyway. Uh, young Casey came on the last uh, uh, and actually looked very dangerous and he did something the last day, which he, he doesn't usually do. He caught two great balls out of the air. He's not known for catching balls out of the air. He's, he's known for making a bit of space, pop it out to him, put it over the bar or he'll bury it. So, you know, we saw another side to his game the last day. And the two balls, and he's a small guy, and uh, but yet he's still fairly powerful in the air. Yeah, come here. I'd be confident Aaron will be there. He'll be ready to rock and roll. If the worst came to the worst, and he wasn't, you know, our squad is huge with plenty of artillery there. So either way, that's what the squad is for. Exactly, and one of the some of the key players in that squad, Garrow Chegerton, Tom Morrissey. You've seen it against Galway when the likes of Galan was well shackled by Dahi Burke. That half forward line really stood up. Um, is that Limerick's best line, the half-hard line? To be fair, it's hard to know. I suppose uh, looking in it from a neutral set of eyes, you'd be kind of automatically going for Gerard Hegarty, Keane Lynch and Tom Morrissey saying to your best line. But to be fair, our half-back line have been outstanding as well. Uh, I think our full-back line are holding very well. I think every line is holding well. But you mentioned that line, the half-forward line of Limerick. Uh, I suppose an interesting one will be, and I know a lot of talk is about whether Aaron Glam will be playing or not. I think what will be more interesting will who will they pick for 11? I have a funny feeling that probably might move Keane Lynch back out midfield, probably to do a bit of babysitting on Jamie Barron. And if that is the case, uh, it'll be interesting who they'll put at 11. Now, to be fair, Callum Lyons, Ty De Borca and Kevin Moore, they're no slouches. So whoever is at 11, it's going to be a serious battle on the day. And if Limerick win that battle, I give them a great chance. And if Waterford coming out on top in that line, I'd also give them a chance. What have you made of uh, Kyle Hayes? He started out the year in the in the centre forward position where he normally plays, but he's moved into that half back line. How do you think he's fared so far? Yeah, I, I suppose I would be would have been one of a, a very selective few early back in 2018 and it might have been a popular thing to say but you know I said it either way because I just felt you know that was his position at the time I felt back in the half back and I probably said centre back eventually will be his place or anywhere in the half back line that was two years ago and lo and behold he's back there this year and uh, you know he's hurling out of his skin 
uh, when he gets the ball, like he's a total powerhouse and there is no stopping him because he is a serious machine and his confidence is high at the moment. And he, you know, the, the signs and the signals I'm getting from this guy is he's bullying for road and there's going to be no stopping him. He reminds me at the minute now of a wild horse that you just need to tame slightly and just keep it cool because he has everything else, but he's hurling out of his skin this year and more power because he's a good lad. You, yeah, we've mentioned Garo Chegate a few times, a massive player for Limerick this year. I want to ask you about that Joe Canning challenge. There was also the challenge with Aaron Galan on the goalkeeper Ian Murphy, but there wasn't a whole lot. don't think there was a whole lot in that, the little tap. But the Garo Chegarty one on Joe Canning is one that's raised um, a bit of debate. What did you make of yeah, the tap? Yeah, and, and I suppose Aaron, to be fair, you know, he doesn't need to do that. You know, he does most of his talking with his hurley from play. So getting involved with the goal, goalkeeper, I think, does nothing for him re- either way. And uh, it was only a little tip. You know, the referees are out there. Uh, they watched him against Cork a few years ago. They will have their eyes on him. So it was only a tip. But if, if it was a small, more stronger, the umpire would have flagged it and read car. He doesn't need to do that. He's too good of a hurler. But having said that, I, I think the Galway goalie is obviously watching too much Premiership soccer because he turned himself inside out and it was a bare little tip. So, you know, a bit silly. Yeah, I thought the Joe Canning challenge, being honest with you, know, I thought was very clumsy from a Galway point of view. I think it could have been avoided. In fairness to Joe Canning, you know, I was sizing it up myself and saying as a player, he was totally blindsided. He obviously saw the Limerick player, but I'd say he didn't see the Galway player because if he could see him at the corner of the eye, he'd brace himself, he tried to sidestep it or else he tried to take the hit. Uh, I thought it was clumsy. And, you know, thankfully, Joe was making a full recovery. That needs to be said. And uh, I don't think I could say any, anything else about it. You know, it wasn't intentional. If it was the Limerick fellow who did it, obviously, it would create a lot more speculation. You know, but it was his own man who did it. And I just felt, you know, an old challenge like that, it's kind of clumsy. It lacks a bit of composure. And, you know, there isn't a whole pile I can add to that even after that. Yeah, uh, to be honest, you know, I think sometimes people look for reasons to send, you know, for sentence off in that bush, which wasn't the greatest challenge. But as you mentioned, Galan's was really nothing in that. I just oh. want to, I just want to mention, um, Kieran. We've actually discussed this bush. Well, if you head over to the Limerick Voice website, limerickvoice.com, we are doing a hurling team of the twenty first century. I'm going to rattle off a few names here, Kieran. We've got five the different lines of the field, and we've a few nominees for each position, or a few nominees for each line. So we're going to get we're going to get your thoughts and opinions on on who should be included because it's certainly I've seen a few of the na- I've got the names here. There will probably be a few big names left out, but such is the way. Ivan Gerard Hegarty will cover all the lines at the moment. <laughs> I tick all the boxes. Yeah, before we go to that, I think it's important to mention Gerard. Because, uh, you know, he's worked extremely hard on his hurling. And, you know, he came in from the football a few years ago. And, you know, it just didn't happen overnight where Garrod is physically, mentally, and uh, his hurling ability. So he's after improving a ton. He's after settling very well into county hurling. He knows the pace of it. He knows the piece of, uh, the pace of it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of arrogance around his hurling, which you need. And, uh, you know, to me, presently at the moment, he's possibly a hurler of the year. Certainly, he's certainly up there. Um, I'll just get the list out here, the hurling team. 
Now, I'll start off with the goalkeepers. We've only two nominees for this one. Um, Nicky Quaid or Brian Murray? Oh, you're asking me to call it, is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Terrible one, very hard one to call. Now, in fairness, presently at the moment, Nicky Quaid, there isn't the whole pile said about him, but to me, you know, he's having an outstanding year. His puckouts are flawless. The, the six backs trust him to the hilt, and he's very composed. Uh, Brian Murray, to be fair, on his day, when he was there, he was a great shot stopper, and, you know, he might have an all-star. Nicky Quaid has an all-star. Yeah, I suppose when you look at Nicky Quaid, I'd probably give him the green light and it would be very close because I rate Brian Murray extremely highly as a goalkeeper. And I and I stress it's a very close call. Yeah, so that's the goalkeeper position. Now I have the full back line next. There's three players you have to select here uh, for two, three and four. We decided not to break it down by position because lads cover so many different positions. You know, sometimes you could just end up putting two or three lads in, the, in different spots and then it just kind of makes it a bit messy. So I'll read out the list of names to you here now. There's a few very good players here. Uh, first of all, Sean Finn, Tom Condon, Richie McCarthy, Stephen Lucy, Mike Casey, Seamus Hickey, Richie English, Damien Rail, and TJ Ryan. <laughs> God, there's a scatter of them now. That's a fair taste. It is, yeah, 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 it is, though. I can yeah. read out any names again because I know it's tough to remember them all. It is, yeah, there's a good few of them there now, to be fair. Yeah, I, listen, I'd be putting Sean, Sean Finn in there somewhere, that's a guarantee. Name out another few there. Um, I'll address them. So, Tom Condon, Richie McCarthy, Stephen Lucy, Mike Casey, Seamus Hickey, Richie English, Damien Real, and TJ Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? No, I'll try. I'll try pick one in every line for the time being because, you know, to pick that, to be fair, you'd have to give a bit of thought and a bit of consideration. There's a bit. There's a bit. There's a bit that goes into it, and I want to do it justice, and I don't think I'd do it justice if I pick it. Picked it here fully from one to fifteen within two minutes. Mm. Would I like? I put it to like this. Sean Finn would be in my team in a fullback. Come to the half-back line, I'll see where you're fixed. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just warn you, it doesn't get any easier. Um, right. So the half-back line, right, we've Gavin O'Mahony, Paddy O'Brien, Declan Hannan, Wayne McNamara, Jermot Burns, Dan Morrissey, Brian Greary, Mark Foley, and a certain Kieran Carey. Yeah, so listen, I'm excluding myself, so I'm not going to put myself in there. Yeah, I, I'm going to do the same there. I'm just going to pick one player that I would have in my half-back line. And, uh, yeah, he's probably back in my ear, and that's Mark Foley. So he's one I'd pick for that line. Mark, I'm delighted to hear that. We actually had him on a few weeks ago, um, looking ahead to one of the games. Probably Probably one of those who, I suppose, wouldn't kind of almost slip under the radar a bit, but great player in his prime. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Listen, I went to war with him, I soldiered him, and I played enough of games with him, so I have a fair idea what he's made of. And uh, obviously, I have a bird's eye view of his ability. And I, and I suppose, come here, it's, it's, it's hard to do that because, you know, the hurling has totally changed. Like, it's changed from the 40s and the 50s, it's changed in the 60s and the 70s. 
changed again in the 80s. So it, it appears to change every 15 years plus whatever some whatever comes in to the new whatever well the development of the game if you like and yeah but I I'd still stand over my two players you're picked that I picked there. Or to midfield now we'll have another weekend. Or to midfield now there's less options for this so it'll be a bit easier. We've five men here for two spots. Um Keen Lynch, Willow Donahue, Donal O'Grady, Paul Brown or Darrow Donovan. Tough one. Tough one. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd, prefer, I'd probably be going for Donald Grady and Keen Lynch there. Yeah, you, got, you, you got an extra, you got an extra one there, Ivan. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, no, but having, but having said that, that could change in the next six or seven years, depending on the present crew. Do you know what I'm saying? But up until now, I'd probably, I'd probably go with that one. Certainly, yeah. Uh, these lads are still so young as well. Um, right, yeah, so we'll still, still kids. So we'll go on to the half forward line now. A few more names here. There's a few more big hitters here as well. Um, I think I'm feeling. I know one lad who you're going to include anyway. I think so. I we James. Come here. I never knew. I never knew you were gifted with the telepathic. You can read my mind. Go on. <laughs> oh, we've we mentioned him a few times now. You said you said he'd go on every line. So. If he doesn't go in this line, uh, we've James Ryan, Garo Tegarty, Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey, Donal O'Grady, who we had in the midfield, so we'll probably exclude him. David Breen, Ollie Morn, and Donny Ryan. So I can list them off for you again, if because I know we stopped with Donal O'Grady. No, you don't have to. Like I'm going to pick one for there. The obvious one there actually is Garo Tegarty be on my team all day, so you can pencil him in. And we're going to inside line now. So I'm just marking these off here. No, but what I would do is actually, if you did email me that list and I give it due consideration and studied it, I'd, I'd probably pick it a lot more accurately for a bit of time. Okay, we'll go through this line anyway, and sure, we can um, we can do we can do that again because we'll we can move on with the we can move on with the interview and sure. I, yeah. we, this will be coming out Friday anyway, so I'll send these on to you afterwards. Okay. Perfect. So the full forward line. Um, so three players, but as you select, you said you'll select one and we'll consider it then. Andrew O'Shaughnessy, Peter Casey, Aaron Gillan, Shane Dowling, Kevin Downs, Gray Mulcahy and Seamus Flanagan. Oh, that is going to be a mouth-watering in full forward line to pick. Who'd be so, number one on the list? Call him out again. Um, Andrew O'Shaughnessy, Peter Casey, yeah. Aaron Gillan, Shane Dowling, Kevin Downs, Graham Mulcahy, and Seamus Flanagan. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Aaron Gillan would be automatic in there. Now, in fairness, like no matter what way you go about it, there's going to be a big, big name left out in that line. Anyway, you wouldn't want to be an opposition defender coming up against any of those. No, you wouldn't. No, or or it could do the opposite to the opposition defender. They might want to be on the biggest fish to have. You don't know. It's true. Now we've got we picked out for me lads. We picked out six lads there, 
what we can do is it, we can I can send them on to you and we can complete it that way. But it certainly gets people thinking anyway. And we have the full poll over on um, our website, limerickvoice.com. And we can publish what you what you say, Kieran. When you've, as you said yourself, you've had you've thought it out because it's 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 tough. It's very tough taking that. that. It is a lot of lot of lot of quality there, and to be fair, to different eras as well. But you could balance that out because you know you, you could see certain players in the past, and you'd say I'd be often asked the question, and you'd be asking, I'd be asked about various players in the past. Do you think he'd survive in the modern game? And uh, yeah, depending on the player, the end, nine times out of ten, the answer is yes. With the same type of training that's been done. It's true. It's it is it is hard, but uh, it's it's only a bit of fun, and we have it up on our website anyway. That's all. That's all. And come here, and it is a bit of fun. And I'd I'd often give a smart one back, you know, for a bit of, for a bit of cracking, a bit of sport. I said, yeah, do you know what? I I didn't give too much thought to it, but you know, what about the present boys? Would they survive back in the nineties? And then there's a bit of a pause. Didn't think of it. So they, that usually stirs it up. That usually adds another bit of spice to it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, get on to, we'll go on to the game on Sunday because there's so much to talk about ahead of this, ahead of this clash. Uh, we've seen Watford. Now, I think a lot of people were surprised with how, with not the fact that they bet Kenny, but how they did it in the second half. They, For one, for better word, they demolished them in the second half. 2-17 they scored. 216 from play. What do you make of Watford this year? Yeah, I, I'd be honest. I picked him at the start of the year to be to be to be dark horses. Uh, Liam Cahill, I, I'd rate him pretty high. Uh, he's a good track record under his belt. And uh, I suppose what I really like about him is tactically, he's very good. And he's picking players to do certain jobs. And they're the one county that has convinced me that they can come with their own plan and implement a game that could rattle Limerick. And we saw spells to that uh, in the Munster final. But uh, the longevity of it is the big one. And, uh, you know, their fitness levels is a very, at a very high standard. You know, their physique, their strength and their bit of power. They've still a bit to do, a bit to do to reach to Limerick and you know it, it makes it makes for a moat watering clash and I suppose Waterford are possibly in a position now where Limerick were in 2018 and what I mean by that is you know a lot of people had great will and were kind of the neutrals were wanting Limerick to win for the obvious reason they had one in, one in 73 and I suppose Waterford will be kind of getting a bit of that uh, for the final but I think, in fairness, the experience Limerick after gaining the last two or three years, I think the experience actually is going to be possibly crucial Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's cool head and a bit of composure, really, on the, on the field on the biggest day of all. Usually it can be the turning point of uh, of a game. And uh, I see no difference this Sunday. Looking ahead, do you think the fact that there's no crowds, could that benefit Waterford in a sense, the fact that there's less maybe less hype, less pressure walking in instead of in front of 82,000? Or can it work the other way where they might need that bit of motivation against this Limerick side who probably on paper may be slightly better? How do you think it could work out? Well, to be fair, the two teams have been, uh, you know, when you look at the championship, you know, it started about six weeks ago and, you know, it's hard 
it's hard to believe we're even saying this. The championship started six weeks ago and all of a sudden we're in an All-Ireland final a fortnight before the Turkey and Ham. It sounds so strange, but that is the fact. And, you know, I think both teams, both squads, both managements are kind of pretty used to it now, going out, playing a batch, competitive game with no crowder. And uh, so I, there's a possibility it could benefit Waterford more uh, in around relaying and uh, I suppose getting the message delivered in to a certain player and uh, you won't have the same noise so it could be a factor it could benefit Waterford from that angle but you know as I said two teams have a few games played uh, they know what it's like to play uh, they'll play the Munster final no crowd so you know, I think that's taken well out of the occasion now at this stage. I think that could be even scratch record stuff. You know, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to interfere either way with any set of the teams. But possibly in around one for right. But tactically, they're very good. And if they want to get messages in quick, obviously the quieter is in Crow Park, uh, it'll probably suit them more. Yeah, it, it, to be honest, it's almost wait and see how, it go, how each team starts off. There's one thing I want I really want to talk to you about. You mentioned Nicky Quaid and how people, some people maybe aren't recognising how good he's been this year. I want to talk about the puckouts because Walford dominated the puckouts against Kilkenny the second half, while Galway really struggled against Limerick's almost high press, if you if you will. How important is the puckout battle on Sunday? I'd say that is an area where Waterford probably has worked on since the Munster final. And uh, they'll be on that like a rash, I'd imagine. Uh, but to be fair, Nicky English, Nicky English as I, Nicky Quaid has been flawless up to now. And he has a few options. Limerick, to be fair, don't really mind whether they go to two, whether they go to eight, or whether they go to 12. You know, they have a lot of options there. And uh, Waterford certainly would have an awful lot of homework done around their puckouts, number one because they lost a lot of them, and Nicky Quaid puck outs, number two. So, And if you look at the Galway game and the Kilkenny game and the unforced errors in both games and the unforced errors from the two goalkeepers, you know, they were huge in the final result of the game. So unforced errors are massive. And, you know, I mean, when it's coming from your goalie, it's demoralising. It's kind of, you know, it's my memory is it's nearly like a goal that the opposition get when you give away a cheap score like that. So, you know, but to be fair, as I said, Nicky has been flawless up until this point. And, you know, he's uh, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Solid and uh, Mr. Composure in there. As a former player yourself, now, look, I'm a, I'll admit I'm a Goy man myself and Aina Murphy got, uh, did get a bit of stick in uh, more national media than anything else, you know, for the poke outs and that. How much of the poke out is down to the goalkeeper? And how much of it is down to the outfield players? Because we do talk about goalies a lot and sometimes they can make mistakes with puck outs. But how much of it comes down to the lads, to the lads 2 to 15 out the field as well? Yeah, I, I suppose from a goalkeeper's point of view, there's obviously a plan in place, there's a process in place. You're playing a certain way, it's A, B or C. And irrespective of what way you're playing, you know, the ball has to be executed right. And if they're going to go short, you have to put it into the paw. That's your number one aim. And if it doesn't go to the paw and if it's coming down low on the ground, the cornerback's touch has to be lead. It has to be touch one hand and gone. 
And if it isn't the forwards on top of him, turnover over the bar. So I suppose the goalkeeper to me, really, uh, he's like a conductor of uh, an 80-piece orchestra. He's pulling the strings. He's a bird's eye view. He sees everything that's happening. And uh, as I said, you know, economically, he has to nail his fuck outs. And he has to be extremely accurate. And if you're not in the modern game, and we have seen in the last few games, especially in the semi-final, with the opposition that's out there now and the fitness level and the skill, you are going to be punished. And their chief scores really I think away. And their chief scores in a game that will probably go down to a one-score game. So to ask, just as you mentioned, six weeks ago, the championship has flown by, but at the same time, we've seen with Hurl and all the tight games and you've seen the shocks in football. It really is, it shows how important the GA is to people, especially during this time when you're, you're when you're getting negative news most days, if not every day. Yeah, and 110%, yeah, and I concur with everything you said. And it also shows, us, and an awful lot of credit has to go, especially to Limerick and Waterford, because they're still at it. And when you take into consideration nearly every county, really, the workload that inter-county players are after doing in a short space of time. And when you look at Limerick and Galway, and they're still there, you know, it just gives you a fair indication, physically, the condition of them, where they're really at. So effectively, you're talking about professional guys here, because if they weren't that way, they'd be buckled with hamstrings or shoulder injuries or calf injuries. And thankfully, we haven't seen that. So it, it isn't the right, obviously, it isn't the right way to go about your business year after year because the body can only take so much. But obviously, my point here is it was possible. And, uh, you know, an awful lot of tanks really must go to uh, the trainers and the strength and conditioning guys in most counties because uh, if they weren't on the ball and if it wasn't doing professional right, these guys wouldn't be still playing. But yeah, it really shows like the inter-county players, like these guys are teaching and doing other jobs. Uh, they're really having to mind themselves in case, you know, they don't want to come into contacts or anything. I suppose it's probably tough in a sense when you're training hard and trying to live in your own bubble almost. But in fairness, like across the board, we've had no, nearly next to no cases in um, in the inter-county squads at all. So it really is a credit to them the way they've kept themselves out of harm's way as best without, they can. Without a doubt. And, and I think it's to Limerick's advantage, actually, because, you know, they're getting on about their business. No hype. Uh, not being pulled, not being dragged, not looking for tickets, not looking for interviews, not going here, not going there. And, you know, as a player, you know, that's the way you want to approach the game. You know, you want, you know, between the left ear and the right ear, the top two inches, you want the totally empty and uh, ready for an hour and 10 minutes of real work. And that's all you want to be focused on. And thankfully, the pathway that uh, Limerick has and Watford obviously will suit as well. It's, you know, it suits the modern county player the last six weeks of the way the COVID has worked out really. Yeah, and you know yourself, it's a bit of a family affair with your nephew, King Lynch, very much an integral part of this Limerick side. How important, how important, how important is he to this team? Oh, listen, he's massive. Himself, everything Kyle Hayes, like, because, uh, you know, they're the guys that kind of, you know, Limerick has six backs, but realistically the seven, and sometimes they have ten if they haven't got the ball, 
and usually they're the guys that are back there digging it out. And uh, if they're not digging it out, you'll be scratching their head. Who else is going to come up with it? So effectively, every player is important. But Keen Lynch is absolutely crucial that he is going well. Also Kyle Hayes and Gerard Higley, but Keen definitely, especially if he's in or in around midfield. Now, with the last game, if you want, if you if you watch uh, Galway or midfield, okay, they were kind of patchy because they weren't getting much ball, and you know they weren't getting much ball because the half back line, Limerick's half back line, were dominant. What I mean by that is you, Damer Burns, picking off scores from long range, and if you wasn't picking off from long range, he was spraying it into Angolan. Nine times out of ten, Kyle Hayes was getting the ball. He was bombing up and down. And basically what I'm saying is you kind of wasn't giving it to eight and nine. So obviously they missed a lot of the play because of that. But obviously if Keane Lynch is there, you know, he'd be taking all those. Yeah, but then to question, he's absolutely crucial. If Limerick are going to jump the fence here, he'll have to play a massive game. Not only him, but at least at least 11 or 10 guys will have to come up to uh, near enough their own potential. So is it difficult for you, Piron? Is it difficult watching Keane because he, as we mentioned, he is your nephew. Is it is it hard watching him play, or are you able to to remove that fact when you're watching him on the TV? Yeah, difficult, hard. Yeah, I suppose there are two words that I wouldn't use. Uh, if I'm to be honest, it's an absolute pleasure to sit down and to size him up and watch him grow in the game of hurling. Watch him become a better player, become a better performer. And, uh, you know, the things he can do in the field, uh, his imagination, his vision, uh, to be fair, there's a bit of a belly dancer in there as well. You know, he's extremely light in the feet. And as I said, you know, he's hot property at the moment and has been since he came on the scene. And I'd imagine if there was a transfer fee there presently for inter-county players, he'd be the top of the pile. So being honest with you, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be round, even watching him perform. What do Limerick need to do, Kieran, on Sunday if they are to win out against Waterford? They've beaten Waterford already, but what do they need to do? Because this has probably been improved Waterford side. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. Listen, when you look at the last time, you know, just buckets of room for improvement there. Uh, you know, we got about twenty, not too sure, twenty-five or twenty-seven wides, and they would probably have about forty-five or fifty chances. You know, we're usually a lot more clinical than that. You know, outside of that, Ivan, Limerick are going to stick to the process. They're going to stick to what they know. They're doing it for the last four or five years. There's going to be no major change in that. Uh, only they have to be a lot more clinical on the ball, eliminate the unforced errors, and, uh, you know, obviously go up there, you know, with the right frame of mind. It's obviously the biggest game of the J calendar. You go up and take the title out of it and go out and just kind of play uh, to what they're used to playing. And hopefully, hopefully, I'd imagine it's going to be good enough. Yeah, it's certainly Limerick will enter the game as favourites, but as you know yourself, Anthony can happen. Finally, Kieran, what's your prediction for the game on Sunday? Yeah, I see it very close. Uh, depending on what's going on in Waterford, you don't fully know. Uh, I think they probably went with the frame of mind uh, in the Munster final to kind of hold their own, if you like, and kind of curtail. Limerick and kind of stunt their ability and stop their ability. I don't think they went with any major aspirations of fully going out there to win the Munster Championship. And if they go up the same frame of mind, they'll probably play into Limerick's hands. But if they get a bit ruthless and have 110% believability, 
within themselves. There's an All-Ireland there. It's up for grabs. We're plenty good enough to win it. If they go with that frame of mind, it'll be very close. But I'm still obviously back in Limerick because of their experience, because of what I've seen the last few years, what I've seen this year. It's going to take a serious team to beat Limerick. And Waterford, if they are going to achieve that, they'd want to have a special day. It promises to be an exciting contest with Limerick aiming to win their second All-Ireland title in three years. My thanks to Kieran for coming on the show today and to everyone for listening. Bye for now.